Ooh, yeah, brother. Welcome to what is now officially known as Ooh, the Flying Elbow Drop of <laughs> Film. I am Herskiles, descended from Olympus of podcasting to bestow this episode. Okay, I can't keep I can't keep that energy up. How do they do it, Yusef? I don't know. It's a lot. Uh, it's, uh, I, was, I was honestly impressed. I was like, keep going. It's it's a lot. Like, it's a lot. Yeah. I could you could have been going. a descendant of, of uh, Hercules, the, the yeah. former wrestler. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's true. With the chains. I always love the big chains. Yeah, Very good chains. look. <laughs> yeah. Those big you chains. Have this, yeah, you have the same like like um, aura about you. Oh. You're, yeah, you're just a body, you know? That's, that's what they kept <laughs> calling him in the documentary that I shouldn't have watched. <laughs> He's just a body. <laughs> Yeah, it, I am. Lot. It's true. I am all glamour muscles and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I really should like work no on my substance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, um, but yeah, it's always been fascinating how, and I, I don't want to jump all the way into the end, but we see a moment where The Rock is like pitching what he wants to say to one of the producers, and then yeah, he, they're like where they're like working out the promo. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it's so it's so funny to see him just turn it on and you're like, yeah. yep, that's, that's him. And, and obviously we saw uh, the iron claw and, and him just fucking over the lines and trying to deliver it, yeah. which is yeah. like, yeah, it would be that. Well, nowadays, modern WWE, they're more like way more on script, you know, like yep. they got writers and the writers just hand it off and the wrestlers perform it. There's a lot less like a wrestler improv and stuff these days, mm -hmm. but uh But hey, uh, you know what we're going to do? We should introduce the thing we're talking about. We pretend mm. like they didn't see the thumbnail. And mm. we'll say that we are watching 1999's Beyond the Map. Man, what is 1999? Incredible year for film. Oof. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, it, I, I'll say this before we start. I remember watching this as I was, as I was becoming a, a wrestling fan. And not knowing who 99% of the people were. I did know Mankind. I was like, fuck yeah, Mankind is here. And the rock and oh wait, is that Stone Cold in the background? Yeah, when the WWE but, guys came on, you were like, yeah. you came alive. I <laughs> know those. But but now watching it and realizing the the brevet the like the depth that he he was able to pull in all those legends and really paint a picture of the post and current situation of, of wrestlers. But like I feel like this documentary easily could have been like five hours six hours long if this came out now in the modern era this would be 10 parts on netflix it would yes. be a huge documentary um i love this was this along with our the one we covered last time hitman heart were like the two that really broke open kayfabe for me and helped me understand the wrestling yeah. business a lot more and you know everybody growing up you know knew it was fake but like you never really knew what that meant Like, because there's some things you can't fake, and this movie really gets into some of that shit. But, like, this was the one that kind of, like, I, I think it's what makes, it's what they finally realized kind of post this era and, like, what the wrestling has now become is that, like, you can get two sets of stories out of everything by, like, yeah. doing the one that's the show and then one that's the show about the show. And yeah they've really kind of like tuned into that so much so that now you can't even tell the difference anymore. And now there's like yeah, a third, they, they, they're starting to become a third beyond the reality stage here. Which is, which is funny because Vince, and I want to talk about a lot about Vince, but because of the news, but um, that came out recently, but Vince, when he's talking about Jake, he's like, I never knew who I was talking to. Like, 
like and now it's essentially every fucking wrestler is that unless you're yeah unless you're now you like, have to basically be yeah. all the time kind of yeah uh, yeah well and yeah it's a lot less uh persona based everybody's persona now you're not the undertaker you're not some character you're your real name you're using your real name basically everybody wrestles under their you know so but I think uh undertaker like now you even mentioned him like i think he was legit the last one to hold that hold that wall because yeah. he never did interviews he never did anything outside of the ring Once and he as retired, soon as he retired like, yeah he opened yeah. up a little bit after that and he was in like, no, the floodgates thing. open he was like talking shit about people he was talking like <laughs> the floodgates open but i love during like, his time he he kept that right aura. And like, the, the mentality of the old timers is that like no you keep the business you know the and that feeds into what we're gonna what we'll eventually talk about with Vince McMahon and how like a business that's based on secrecy and deception can be kind of a haven for bad people uh, like yeah. Grizzly Smith perhaps um so this movie starts out with like a little we should talk a little bit about the filmmaker we just looked him up Barry Blaustein um yep. more of a writer producer guy worked a lot with Eddie Murphy and this is clearly just a passion project for him. Yeah. But sure. uh, it's produced by Brian Grazer and uh Ron Howard which is Imagine Entertainment so big production behind it that's why he probably got was able to rope so in Dempsey at the time. Also this is an era where Vince McMahon was still very much like he hadn't he hadn't totally closed the gap on all his competition and he was open to all sorts. So like this, any publicity was good publicity to him. And nowadays you definitely, it was probably pretty much right after this documentary, I would say that they kind of tightened up the ship and only WWE only produces their own documentaries now. Yeah. Aside from like showing up on A&E biography, but you have to like play the game. You have to like, play by WWE's rules and, and you know, and let them kind of spin the narrative. I, I still, I still uh, like amazes me that, Dark Side of the Ring exists, and it existed for four seasons before. But it got if you canceled. notice, most there's not a lot of people who are uh, no, no, nobody con- contracted with the WWE yeah. don't appear on that show. No, 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 no. Um, but, but yeah, this is this is definitely due to the fact that is like it took him at least three or four years. This is one smack dab in the middle of WCW. Right. Either or almost catching up or had already passed. Yeah, him. this is the so. this is the heat. He's in like the and he doesn't. It's funny because he when he's filming this because he doesn't really go to WCW. He mostly does prom, like smaller promotions and the WWE. Yeah. Um. You don't really know, but this is like right in the heat of the Monday Night Wars. This is right in the birth of the Attitude Era. Like we're literally seeing in this movie. Uh, we're seeing periods where Bret Hart is the champion all the way up to where Mankind is the champion and that yeah. if if you were a wrestling fan at that time that could be your whole fandom that was like all yeah. the years I was in high school that is yeah. what takes place so um so yeah it's it's a wide breadth and like we said if this if this came out now it would be a huge but he he's got a few things he wants to focus on and um I did want to say that this documentary and because of like what it covers and what we get into especially with uh jake the snake is like the reason that the movie the wrestler didn't work on me like Mm. it's a really great it's a good movie and it's a great performance but i was like i think everybody else was more shocked at how sad the life of of an old pro wrestler is and (laughs) i just i think i just already knew (laughs) i guess it's so like that element didn't surprise me enough and i was just kind of like oh yeah, so did he fine. do crack? Did he do crack? He didn't? Oh, well, he's fine. Yeah, he's not even spoken that much crack. Yeah, he's fine. Uh, he's fine. Um, 
So we start out, uh, Barry gives a little history on like his fandom, and I don't really need to want to say, I don't care that much about the little flashback thing, uh, film thing at the beginning, but I did like that it kind of mirrors a scene that is in the Iron Claw that, you, that we just saw, where... After the big bad guy wrestler gets in, goes out, and he basically gets into like a station wagon with his family that's pulling the trailer where they all live because, like, you know, that's life on the road. And I was just like, it was yeah. very familiar. I was like, oh, that, that's very. I, I knew that felt familiar when I saw it in the theater when I saw Iron Claw, and I was like, that's why. That's, that's where it's from. That's true. But yeah, um, that that had to be such a such a common reoccurring thing that happened, um, especially back in the territory days. Now, I mean, there is technically still an indie scene, but it's yeah, it's but more even of a, like, but even but those it's more have been swallowed up because right? there's all these kind of like not big promotions, but big like you know the kind of like New Japan AEW size, you know, nothing as big as the WWE, but there are like larger promotions that are that kind of swallowed up even those smaller indies now. It's so an ever-changing, you... the, the wrestling business is always an ever-changing landscape. <laughs> no, for sure. So, how about we talk about, I think, our main characters are, first, the small promo promotion that is trying to, those two wrestlers and the shady-ass fucking promoter. Right. Well, you I got, really want to talk about. I mean, obviously, they, they actually got the WWE license. So, you have, they go to headquarters, you see Vince, they got the old WWE logo out. Yeah. So, you got the WWE, and it's all its main characters of the era. Um, mostly featuring like Vince, Mankind, and a little bit of like Draws and the Rock and some other guys. But that's so. Then we got the one you're talking about, which is all pro wrestling, APW, yeah. with uh, Roland, who they call out as a con man at the very He's end. No, in the beginning. Yeah. In the beginning. <laughs> I fucking love the fact that he's like, no, uh, with me, I'm very straightforward. Uh, 25 bucks is maybe the most you're going to get, and then 300 And then the other wrestler's like, yeah, he doesn't fucking pay you if he thinks you're not worth it. And I'm like, fuck. Like, he's yeah. he's cutting in between them. Like, yeah, it's great. It's good, great stuff. Um, I also, I love the, it's got that exploitative um, kind of like uh, wannabe singer or model vibe to it where it's like there's a person where if you have a dream and you're too dumb to know that you can't achieve your dream there's still a person who will take your money and let you pretend that you can make it and they'll do that forever like yeah he will let you train and go to and, and destroy your body and think that you might make but it someday and he'll collect the check from you for as long as that takes you know no, and, and like, the endless and the very small line very quick line that don't they don't explain it and he's like um and the the most nervous is this guy i don't fucking forget his name because if they sign he gets 20 percent of his why why yeah, does he get he's 20%? like their manager he's yeah like he's like it's like a finer i was gonna say um mike modest the two guys mike modest and uh tony jones is it i i, I think i just wrote down tony so but i think it's tony jones um you know, a good local. I've. It's funny, like a lot of these little shows. I went to. I went to a lot of things like this because I had some buddies. Because in the Attitude Era, it was also like the kind of backyard indie scene was big, yeah. and I had some guys who like started as back. I had some friends who started as backyard wrestlers, but then did get to do like some gym shows and like 
you know, uh, small time, like past their prime has beens came into town and they got, you know, they do a little show. So I got to see a couple of things like that. So I, I really liked that vibe of it. Yeah, um, no, that was very big in the, obviously in the Island, we had like the main wrestling, um, federation that we saw a lot of like, the, like, um, Brody who got killed there. Yeah, uh, Bruce Brody, the um, like a lot of wrestlers came would come over here and, and do some matches, but it was very big also to have like fucking shitty ass ring in the backyard and yeah. hey, you want to pay two bucks to see somebody almost die? It's like yeah, maybe. Hell, yeah, I do. Like, <laughs> that sounds wanna, like a Saturday. You want to watch somebody get suplexed onto the floor of a Ponderosa? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wait till he finishes his shift in the, in the Ponderosa. He'll be right out. We gotta roll. We gotta roll the salad bar out of the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, I do think you know. The, at least, like, aside from the fact that he was he'll siphon money off of them and he can't really get them to where they want to be, there does seem to be at least at least a little legitimacy to the wrestling's school aspect of it. There's clearly people yeah. who know and are like training, and I do think uh, Mike Modest and Tony Jones do okay, but I don't think they get a shot without the doc like the only reason they no. get to do that is for the documentary right yeah. like but i do like the young uh, G- uh jim uh jim ross and john Cornette. actually you know I, I, maybe it was for the doc but i doubt it because Cornette is such a huge like um no i think the stuff wrestling back, like, in the gorilla position talking and watching the match yeah. and stuff i think that stuff's all legit like yeah but I do love like when he was like giving them advice on, you know, not not let the crowd dictate the moment you dictate what the crowd. And it's like, man, that's such good advice for young wrestlers. Don't and get overexcited I, and try to rush through your spots and stuff. Like, just take your time and no. I just love. Cool I just love when people. I just love when I hear. There's something about uh, people being genuine. People really loving what they're talking about. And you can really hear like realness come uh, and passion come through. And this is like 99% of the documentary. Like yeah. everybody is talking so genuine and so passionate about uh, the business. It's a very, even yeah, though it's very Roland, dark and sad. looks like Ron Jeremy. <laughs> 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 and who's just trying to like, you know, siphon some money off these guys' dreams. But but no, I agree. I I do. Yeah, the genuine passion for the business shines through in almost every interview and every yeah. like you know every little spot. Um, I but I yeah I love in the, the Hitman Heart documentary and in this one I love seeing genuine backstage wrestling. Uh, you know the guys like friend and foe hanging out and talking over the storyline. And like you said, the rock, you know, working out his, his promo. I love when they're talking to, uh, when mankind's there with his kids and they're talking to the rock and stone cold walks up and he's like, Oh, Hey, you know, and he's like, Hey, how you doing? So he's like, I don't feel very good at all. Actually. <laughs> so funny. He's just like, I, I actually don't feel very good at all. But, uh, you know, I was like, okay, that's just, just felt like such a perfect, genuine moment. Um, but yeah, uh, we get to see uh, Mike Modest and Tony try out, and uh, we find out eventually that they do not get signed, which we could have told you because we know the future because we live in it. But um, it's cool to see the kind of process of like what a new wrestler goes through, and like when you're when you're wrestling the dark match of the first match of the night, and you might just be two guys from you know 
you know, an undercard getting a shot or you're one guy wrestling a, you know, somebody who's more seasoned and that's your, you know, but it was yeah, it, you're, that's you're what, like, like what they call is a, a jobber, which is yeah, uh, just a indie wrestler brought up to lose to one of the main card dudes. Well, uh, speaking of you, you mentioned jobber and I have to, that reminds me of a beautiful moment earlier but we should drop back a little bit if we're going to talk about it because it all happens in the intro where they're kind of talking about the wwe a little bit so you know we get in and you we get the kind of boilerplate introduction of what the business is yada 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 and we get vince an interview with actual vince mcmahon in his office and he's in full like this is in full mr mcmahon mode like we yeah. are well past you can tell just by the way he's dressed that it, after the montreal screw job like yeah. you just know and um you know, he gives a little bit of his feel. Oh, we make movies, you know, and yeah. he's a gross creep. Um, but we get to see draws uh, getting signed and the attempt to like make puke happen, which is yeah. such a funny moment. Um, you can like that's when I was like, oh my god! Like, you can see the the just like how perverted like Vince's brain works. He's like. Well, then you puke on the ref, or you puke on your opponent. It's like, why do you want to watch somebody actually puke? Oh, Vince thinks bodily functions are so. He's a child. He's very juvenile in his tastes, and it's also he's also like renowned for his terrible character ideas. Like, you know what I mean? There's so many stories of like him pitching these awful ideas, and so it's great to get to like see a little taste of that with this in this moment. Um, I also love the inner cut. This again, they're doing the uh, very good documentary filmmaking where he's, you know, talking about how they're the biggest company in the world. This, and then cut to like just incredible being like, the worst thing I ever did was stay signed with the WWE for as long as I did. And, and then <laughs> yeah. it, you mentioned jobbers, and I had to, uh, that's what made my mind go back to it because then they cut to Al Snow, legend, legend, legend. Al Snow, sitting in the WWE locker room with a WWE t shirt with a WWE logo right here. Talking about how like he's underused and how how it's like how he doesn't think they've done a good job with him and I'm like just like it's so good just giving zero fucks and this is the era right before he would have created the Job Squad which was like basically a group of jobbers who were always like taking losses but they yeah. became because it was the era of factions they actually got heat by becoming a faction and you got guys <laughs> like Bob and then they started the Hardcore Division and guys like Hardcore Holly and stuff you know and it's they actually got legitimacy by doing the kind of shit, you know, that Al kind of like the seedlings are here for that. You know, it's very, it was very funny. I just love Al Snow just in his WWE logo t-shirt, just shit talking, just like <laughs> <laughs> no fucks to give, man. I've so good. I always liked Al Snow and his weird persona. Like it, he always seemed like a, like a parallel, like him and mankind rode the same parallel trajectory. But yeah, kind so, of. like, but mankind just went like this, and he just yeah. stayed like this. Well, I and I think it's because, I mean, hands down, Al Snow was the better wrestler, but you cannot deny like what Mick Foley's wrestling mind brought the characters, the yeah. the the he, he the, really sold the talking, you know, the promos. Like he brought so much to that. That and then of course he had a superpower, which was he could take punishment. Die. We'll get there. We'll, yeah. we'll get there. There. First, we got to talk about another main character. I think we're ready to talk about Terry, Terry Funk. Funk, baby. <laughs> oh, Terry man. Funk being told, 
hey, you don't have any ligaments on either knee, and this knee is actually completely broken. And he's and like, my well, wife laugh about that scene all the time. <laughs> the the whole thing where he's like, how long can I walk, walk comfortably? That's like, you shouldn't be able to walk comfortably <laughs> you now. Be able to, you're clearly in pain, and you're not telling anybody. <laughs> you just like, um, I love that they intro him by showing him get out of bed in his tidy whiteies. Like, yeah. that's such a personal <laughs> thing because you think about it, you're just like, ah, we're just watching this movie. But in reality, you know, he had to let Barry Blaustein come in and legitimately wake him. Because this doesn't feel like one of those fake morning wake-ups where he's got, no, Terry Funk was asleep. I'm surprised yeah, he didn't his blow wife, up against his fart. His wife let them he, in and he's like, yeah. wake, wake him the fuck up. Yeah. His I'm surprised he didn't blow a huge fart getting up out of bed. It was that <laughs> it was that fucking real. But um we see Terry and the, of course we get a little uh you know, a little montage of his history. Forever. Forever. You know, so and he's good, so you know, we see him as a younger man and his tag team with his brothers and stuff, and then we see a little bit of the hardcore, you know, era of Terry Funk. And um He's definitely one of the ones that I was like, oh, I have no fucking clue who that guy is. <laughs> but then when they started showing him with Mankind, I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah, I get yeah. it. He's well, important. It's, like, it's, it's funny because I don't think when I first saw Beyond the Mat, I really knew who Terry Funk was either. But I had heard of, I knew, I knew about Mankind, I knew Cactus Jack, and I had heard of Chainsaw Charlie, which is Terry Funk. Yep. So like... I kind of like, and then I pieced that together later and then, you know, and kind of figured it all out. And then even went back, had to go back a second time and get my mind blown when I realized that he's Morgan in Roadhouse. And I had never known that either. And then I'm watching Roadhouse for like the millionth time. And I'm like, oh, that's Terry Funk right there. The dude who looks, it's so funny because he's, you know, he's, he's kind of modestly sized for a wrestler, but in. In the real world, he's a giant. Like he's huge. I mean, he's he's fifty eight in this movie, and when he's like walking away, you see like his back definition. I'm like, oh, yeah. damn, Terry, you're still Jack. Yeah, he's that, and he's got that hard old man body where it's like he's not necessarily he doesn't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but like there's no wasted space on Terry Funk. Like everything's <laughs> still working, you know. Yeah. Um. No, yeah, in uh, Roadhouse, he has a thick neck. Yeah, thick. very thick, and a thick fro to go with it. Yeah. Um. So we get to see, uh, we can see a, a Terry. He's fight. He does the ECW match. This is where we get a little introduction to ECW and Paul Heyman. Paul um, Heyman, like, how far have you come? Huh? Taping yeah. those, taping literally those, uh, doing promos in in the basement. It what yeah. looked what was probably his house, but looked like it could have been his mom's house. It, I, that's what I was gonna say. I thought it was like in his mom's house. And it's and it's so wild, right? Because like you get like that's the definition of passion from him. Um, in terms of like believing he's like riding the ship and now all the way to being probably the best manager in, in WWE still. Well, yeah, and I mean and promoter too. I mean literally promoter? that thing of like he did he he was so good that Vince McMahon hired his hired he just hired the competition. He was like, come work for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do what you do, but do it for us. And you know. Which is something that I honestly wanted to happen. I thought like it wouldn't work. Like I I like I kind of like an Eric Bischoff um situation where like Vince wouldn't let Paul be Paul and, and eventually they would part ways, but yeah. Paul has stayed there. Yeah, no, and I think it's one of those things, too, where if it makes money, 
you know what I mean? If, if, if it makes money, Vince will keep you, keep it going as long as that, you know, but we get to see a little bit about ECW. So that's another like promotion. It's not really, I wouldn't say it's like one of the main parts, but he's like just giving us a little taste of what's going on in the business at the time. It's kind of the birth of the hardcore era. Um, we see, uh, I have to talk about this for a second because it's in the Hitman Hard documentary too. Yep. And we get a lot of it here. Wrestling fans are so fucking embarrassing, dude. <laughs> Every time they interview wrestling fans outside of an arena, I, I, I cannot cringe harder. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God, they're just the worst. It's, it's the most embarrassing and just like unfunny, no, yeah. uncreative, and... stupid, just slack jawed. It's, it, there's, it's rough. It's very in the, rough. In the Hitman Heart one, it looked like a political rally. And in this one, <clears throat> it looked like a Pokemon stop, like a Pokemon go stop. Where they were like, oh, why do you like Pokemon? And they're like, you know, Pokemon is so awesome. It felt like that energy. And I was like, damn. Yeah. I, am I was I this way when I was a little kid and watching this wrestling? Yeah, but not just the little kids either. Like the people. Yeah, who I know like, the adults. The ECW fans who were too into it. The guy, the guys who were talking about mankind and how you know he's you know he can take just, he he's in, in, unstoppable. He's unstoppable. What, what is the Rock gonna do? Just yeah, what's Rock gonna do? That guy. So well, he's gonna put him in cuffs them. and hit him in front of his kids. That's what he was gonna do. But he's gonna know. smash him with a chair eleven times in the brain. <laughs> That's a great segue because we're about to get into the Mick Foley part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, I I think that's why I love this uh, because I was such a huge Mankind um, fan when I saw this documentary. That was like the, my favorite part of the. Well, documentary. It was like the peak of his powers. That like yes. you know this this movie really did come out like. But right it really at the did. Height. Like it, it humanized him so much, and it's so weird to see the, the little girl because she's probably my age when this documentary kind of came out. I'm probably like two, three years older than her, and now she's like this model. She's like Instagram, Instagram model. model or something. Right <laughs> yeah, now. it's so weird to turn back time to when we were both little kids. But the 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 crust the 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 like the. The core of his storyline is him trying to convince himself that, hey, this is just a job. I'm going to be fine, whatever. My kids know what it is. My kids understand. It's just acting. It's a big boo-boo. And towards the end, like, oh. it's so heartbreaking. What, like, I mean, there's no, there's no other way to put it. What he does is emotion he, he emotional abuse he traumatizes those kids by taking yes. them to that show by putting them in the front I have no clue why would you take them to that one you by know? putting them in the front row of that show is i mean brutal just brutal uh yeah it's a it's a an I quit match with the rock it took place in at the Royal Rumble in 98 i think um and basically yeah he was he had his hands handcuffed and the rock unleashed like so many unprotected chair shots on him i mean i hate to think of the years especially with what we know about cte now oh yeah oh uh, no and that gash that gash was oh, ridiculous yeah. that was like heinous. and i and i always and i always remembered this scene because like him like getting stitches and the daughter's like like is that a does it hurt is this a boo-boo blah 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 and him like saying to the camera like 
it was worth it. But uh, if I see that rock right now, I'd probably strangle him because maybe <laughs> one or two extra shots to have happened. But he I tells the rock, you see the rock come up to him after the match and they're talking. And he's like, he's like, did you see, you saw, I started to turn away from you and you came around the other side. <laughs> <laughs> and he hit me again. He's like, yeah, yeah. But when you turned away the second time, I, I tried to... I was like, dude, come on, man. Fuck me, man. People just, that they get too into it. You know, I bet The Rock was just feeling it, you know? Yeah, hey, know. And hey, like hey. everyone else, he bought into the... the it's invincible. Mankind is invincible. I mean, God bless it. We get to see the Hell in the Cell dive, which, uh, I mean, just legendary. By God. Yeah, yeah and then... And him like kind of saying that his second bump doesn't take enough credit than his first, yeah. which I, I agree. The top of the cage to the mat, he said was worse. Yeah. But yeah, but not only that is because he's already hurt from the first right. bump, so his body's already fucking screaming at him, "Stop, go home." And he's like, "You know what? Let's do it again." And yeah. and this time a little bit worse because it's gonna be through a cage and then just flat. But yeah, it's it's always um, I'm always happy seeing Mike. I, I I think the other documentary I've seen of him is like Becoming Santa, um, which oh, is like it's so great too. So I remember that. Like I don't think I ever watched it, but I do remember when that came out. Yeah, I was it's, just it's like pretty good good. for him. It it's pretty sweet. But the 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 one scene that made me laugh is when he's finally cleaned up and he has his bandages, like huge bandages. Yeah, and he goes, he's got like a comical, like cartoon bandage on his head. And he goes to like report to Vince and he's like kind of as being sorry and like, dude, you were handcuffed. Like the rock is the one that should be in here saying, you know what? It kind of did went a little too far. Well, that's an you see that dynamic with not just him. You see it with Brett in the last one and the, the kind of like, desperate seeking of approval these guys have for vince the like like he's he's the abusive father the he's the withholding you know and to get like a an attaboy from vince is is all you want that's like the sweet and vince was also getting stitched up during because the he had, had a match with stone cold that night yeah. which you know that's what he was thinking about he was just like what are you coming in here talking about i, I just yeah. gotta i'm, I just did I'm my the shit. one that's suffering here i just did my shit um so uh, after that, after we do our little bit with Mankind, we get into Jake the Snake. And this is probably the most famous part of this documentary because Jake the Snake has had kind of a legacy of documentaries beyond this. <laughs> um, but this is kind of where it all started. You know, Jake the Snake was big in the 80s. Um, he even was one of the early adopters and went over to – oh, no, you know what? He didn't go to WCW. He actually had a uh, – the, I'm sorry, I'm thinking about something slightly different. During the Monday Night Wars, though, like when that's going on, he did have a bit of a comeback. He is who Stone Cold was fighting when he coined the Austin 316 thing. It was during the Royal Rumble, and uh, Jake's gimmick at the time was that he would come back and he was like religious. He was like a changed man, and he was, you know, using it, doing the gospel shit and whatever. And Austin and he was like, "Well, I got a gospel for you." Austin three sixteen says, "I just whooped your ass," and that was like, I, you know, an iconic moment. But that's how that's how close to even this time that are yeah. that's shown in this movie he was. Like he's only a, at this point he's only a few years outside yeah, of the WWE and his, his last run in the WWE. And he, and he, yeah, and he's clearly. I mean, obviously, we see him abuse 
uh, drug and alcohol in the in the documentary, but you can tell by his body when they show him like uh, in the indie wrestling, like like he has man like the man boobs and oh yeah, he's, he's way like, heavy, you know, way heavy. And I was like, damn, dude, that's just three years out, and you've yeah gone out. Um, but yeah, I've always I always remember Jake just because of the uh, the the video games I would like to play as him, yeah. um, him and um, the clown. Oh, that's no, the last doink. one that I saw. That's oh, the last see, I haven't watched that one shot. yet. I want to. That's yeah. so good. That's I remember now. That's the last one I saw. Um, but yeah, uh, Doink and him were my favorite characters to play. But I, I've, I've always wondered, like, how did he get the permission to? release this footage or tape what he taped because jake is obviously fucking out of it like he's he's smoking crack he's doing drugs and he's drinking alcohol and it seems a little predatory at times there's definitely especially i don't know what like where you watch it the blue the dvd i have is this kind of extended cut and there's like a really long sequence of him just kind of like sitting in his hotel room high just kind of rambling and like thinking his thoughts and and um so i don't know if that was all in the version you watched but like it definitely feels exploitative at times the stuff with uh what's hold on let's let's it's near the end so let's hold on it's a a lot of trauma to unpack with him with right right it's wrestling like a lot of arts and performance arts is like a bastion for damaged people who yeah. are creative but are hurt and have like and are looking for an outlet to get that weird shit out. And Jake is fully in that category. This is a guy who yeah. like probably could have played Hamlet, you know, had he been focused in the right direction. He's he definitely has the intensity of a real actor, you know, yeah. like um but he's just too fucked up from a life of horrible shit. No, yeah, the the abusive father, the right. His father um, was like many. His legacy. His father was a professional wrestler and professional child molester. Apparently, basically. Yeah. I mean, I supplement. I try to supplement our viewings with uh, any relevant material I can get my hands on. And dark side of the ring is such a great resource that we all currently get to enjoy. Uh, I cannot endorse it highly enough. I definitely feel like beyond the mat is like the, the progenitor of a show like dark side of the ring. It could not exist without beyond the mat, you know? Um, And there's a whole episode about uh, Grizzly Smith and Jake Roberts and his, he has uh, siblings who are wrestlers also. It's really great. So if you have access to dark side of the ring, you should check that out. And so I will do their work for them. But Grizzly Smith was a bad person and it was like, well known. He was like a disgusting creep who, you know, would scoop up little girls from dumb, unsuspecting families and take them on the road with him and, and uh, molested his daughters and possibly made his, uh, his Jake's stepmom like coerced her into molesting him. Uh, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of really gross, horrific shit in Jake the Snake's life. Yeah, and um, then uh, his his da- his uh, sister got murdered. Oh yeah, I forgot about the other sister yeah. who murdered got murdered and they never recovered her body. And, and his stepfather died uh, suddenly as well. Yeah. 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 He had a lot of, he had a lot of trauma and that's not to excuse because I also think that because Jake 
is highly intelligent. He and he's I think he's highly manipulative. And I know I think he knows how to use his tragedies to gain sympathy. I think he so especially with his daughter. Right, right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We <laughs> we'll get into that. Um but it's definitely um it's it's definitely a lot, but it's definitely a very like I said, it's exploitative at times, but it's also what a good documentary should be. It's the reality of the situation. Yeah. You know, it's the truth. It's and it may it's ugly, but it's not it's, wrong. You it's know, definitely uh definitely tiptoeing that that line. Yeah, you think I love earlier in the movie you get you see the APW show and you're like, wow, this is pretty low rent and then you see the shows that jake is <laughs> at the, oof, those like legend shows where like him and a bunch of other has-beens are showing up and like i said i've, I've gone to some things like that. I've, i went to some stuff like that yeah. and it was a little better pretended than this no, i always rough. i always hate it i was always creeped out every time i've ever watched this when he brings the little girl in to the ring with him and is like you know and she's got a mr ddt on her belly and then he's like pointing at it and then like and this part always bugs me and it's because you know that she probably watched this documentary and immediately it cuts i think even while it's showing the footage he's like oh this is probably the highlight of her life she'll probably be pregnant and dressing like a man and blah blah you know what i mean he just like totally runs her into the ground you know and that was like the she probably yeah, she probably yeah, was the highlight of her life until she watches this documentary. Exactly, <laughs> like, yeah. For six yes, months until, she, until this thing Until comes she watches out. this documentary pregnant with a fucking horrible <laughs> husband. <laughs> yeah, right? No shit. She, Jake, she was actually married to Jake the Snake by the time this came out. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> um, I love... I, I never... I think... Uh, I can't imagine how intense eight hours in a van with Jake the Snake must be. Oh but they God, do a couple yeah. like long. Barry does a couple long drives with Jake, and oh, yeah. whew, that seems like he it earned, could get he earned it. He, especially like the. I think the 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 moment that he earned the footage, again, I still find it exploitive. Is when he <laughs> had to be filming him and his dad just silently. Cleaning out that backyard. <laughs> and they're like just like breaking some rocks and shoveling, just like just not acknowledging anything or anybody, just doing their work. And then and then the dad says, like, well, he came in with, with love and I still love him. And you can and Jake is next to him like this. Yeah. Just like just not saying anything. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck is happening? Well, and especially like you at that point you've already been told like yeah, how he was brought in and like what yeah. the whole situation is and how he's like a product of incestual rape basically well, not no i'm sorry it was like not incestuous rape but rape his his mother was like 13 or something when she was pregnant with jake so like everything about his life was horribly fucked up um, oh my god but yeah like definitely i know that jake has like talked about you know, this the documentary being exploitative and like you paint him in a bad light and stuff. But I don't know. I think it might have been a little exploitive, but I don't think it painted him in any light. But the I think it just I shined think, the light of truth. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, I think and he just put a magnifying glass on him. Right, and I think it's okay to say that now, especially that we know that he has gotten better. You know, he had a, they did a whole documentary where he got the resurrection of Jake the Snake, where DDP helped him get well, and then we saw you know he's in the dark side of the ring. And I mean, I wouldn't say he's fixed or anything but he he seemed like he was in a bet he's definitely in a better place than he is in this movie for sure 
yeah, he's he's Phil has his demons, and he once an addict, always an addict. So like, yeah. Hopefully, he never relapses and stays and stays sober. Um. After that, we bounce back. We see a little couple more. You know, he does touch base with just like occasionally a wrestler here and there, which I really like, you know, there's like the main characters, but then he also peppers in, we get to see pre jaw surgery, China, RIP yeah. Joni to RIP to a queen. We love you, Joni. Um, but yeah. great, great to see her. Uh, we get a little, you know, a little snippet of Jesse, the mind Ventura. What? Yeah. That was a jump scare when he <laughs> fucking appeared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The governor, the governor, uh, at the time, yeah. I believe. Yeah, he um, was the governor of Minnesota at the time. Uh, and then we bounce in, and I love this is this might be one of my favorite moments in the whole movie because this is when we bounce, we meet New Jack. And oh my god, dude, I laughed so fucking. New Jack, hard. if you don't know who New Jack is, um, he's an absolutely insane maniac who is like a legitimately dangerous person who yeah. ended up in wrestling. Um. He, he has murdered people. Four, he has four justifiable homicides, on, on, I think. Five. Um, most famously, what most people will have heard of would be the quote-unquote mass transit incident, which is where a, uh untrained 17-year-old passed himself off as a professional wrestler and got in the ring with New Jack and basically almost got himself killed. He damn near got bled, bled to death because uh, New Jack sliced his forehead open with like a, an exacto knife and I mean it had blood like shooting out of it it was grotesque and there's been some other horrific shit I mean he threw he's thrown people off stuff that was way higher than the mankind fall he you know he's done he looks insane yeah he has the I love he's got the crazy scarred up forehead in this in the documentary on and the dark side of the ring episode it's so much worse it looks like his whole forehead is made of cray paper it's insane that's <laughs> um, how uh Carlitos Colón, I don't know if you know him, like yeah. the the father. Um, he's his fucking forehead is like it. Yeah. It's like uh like oatmeal. It just looks yeah. like fucking oatmeal, just yeah, splattered in his fucking so forehead. So like, oof. I mean, there's blading and then there's that. Come on, guys. <laughs> no, yeah, like his for like Carlitos Colón is because of uh, Dula the butcher and his fucking yeah. uh, fork. The fork. Yeah. Did he give him hepatitis too? <laughs> Yeah. Abdul the Butcher. That's his his finishing move. He really finished people off. Yeah, he really did finish people off. There's a there's a dark side about him. I haven't watched yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't watched that one yet either, I know. Yeah. Um but uh we so anyway, the best all that intro. No, yeah, New Jack. All City, that intro yeah. just to say that what I love about New Jack is the dude plays his angles and he knows what to do and he knew he had this Barry Blaustein guy on the hook. You know, Barry liked him. Oh, I wanted to mention about the mass transit thing, too. This, like, horrific incident where New Jack ended up going on trial. He gets acquitted, but he, like, you know, he went he went to trial for, for like, uh, I forget what it, what the charge was. It wasn't attempted murder, but it was, like, something, you know, some kind of assault and battery. Uh, endangering child. Children something. Like but he Mine. ended up getting off because the guy had lied about his age and stuff. And, you know, but and, and it basically everybody... Uh, everybody testified that the guy knew what he was getting into and wanted to be there and yada, yada, yada. So anyway, New Jack gets acquitted, but that would have had to have happened like within the time of this documentary, which means that like all that shit and like horrible shit and New Jack being the, like the kind of like poster boy for what was wrong with wrestling at the time and everything. And Barry was like, 
I'm taking this guy to Hollywood. <laughs> 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 like, That's my guy. <laughs> That's my guy. I'm going to introduce him to the horniest casting director I know. <laughs> I see see sexuality. (laughs) What the funny because what we know about Barry, like he's a writer producer, so those are probably legit. I mean, this is all probably legit. He probably used his connections to get New Jack in a room with some friendly producers and some friendly casting people, and like, oh man. I mean, and New Jack like reads like one line. We barely get a taste for what he can do, and like these people are funniest. To me, the funniest, like him, like the horny. If you wrote these character. characters, they would feel over the top. Like you wouldn't believe them. If these characters like, showed up on like Seinfeld, they'd be too much. Yes, <laughs> no, they they legit felt like uh, Best in Show or like some something <laughs> something in those movies. And yeah. the and the the he's like he's oh he's a leading man. So much sexuality and power I love that comes she, from. At least she's like, woman has enough no. to be like, okay, come on, he's not Denzel. No. He's Denzel's buddy. Like, he's the guy. He's one of the guy. He could have played yeah, a which background. what rapper is it? Exhibit who's in Training Day. Yeah. You know, he could have been Exhibit in Training Day. He could have been that. Like, yeah, in the, the background. Yeah, one of he, he one brings of the pistol to Denzel. Like, he gives him the gun. Like, he could have been that guy. A guy like that, he might get one or two really choice lines. He's not going to be the star of the movie, but he might get like a really sweet little joke or a really yeah. funny little badass moment. Like, perfect for New Jack. You know, he could have he, he could have been like the, the the UFC fighters now. Every now and again, they appear in an action movie, and you go like, wait, this Conor McGregor's is... about to be the like main yeah. bad guy in the new Roadhouse movie. Yeah. He's also the main bad guy in every girlfriend he's ever had's life. Yeah. No, they 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 didn't tell him he was in a movie. They just gave him some coke and started filming around him. <laughs> they just, just they're like him. they just pointed Jake Hill, Gyllenhaal, and was like, "That guy said you were a pussy. Go get him." He's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, that that scene made me laugh so much. Like, so because good. the eyes of her, she's like, "What?" <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no. I would love. God, you know what? I didn't think to look. I would love. I. To, I should have looked in the credits to find those people's names and then look them up on IMDb and see like who what, what they've cast. I would love to know yeah. what that what shows has that guy gone on to cast. You know. <laughs> um. So we we go back to Terry and Terry yeah. is announcing his retirement now. Of course, here in the future, because we know it's the we we know the past, we can laugh about Terry's retirement because we know yeah. Terry Funk did not retire for many many years after this. He's retired like he's retired like twenty times. Yeah, but this is what we talked about earlier. They're setting up Terry's retirement show, and it's great because Terry does. They talk about it in the doc. He does the thing that no promotion can do. He brings stars from like every promotion. He gets yeah. Bret Hart to be in the main event with him. He's there's like some other guys from uh, from like WCW. which I found I found weird that he didn't do his last match with Mankind, given the fact that they've done so many matches together. Yeah, I mean, it was probably because remember, like, there's a time jump here. Brett's the champion, which means mankind is probably even still farther down on the card. Where he's still in like the brown shirt, and he's probably still yes. much more like yeah, he was fighting man wrestler. He probably couldn't even get he probably couldn't even got the time off at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, he's whereas Hitman was like the bigger deal. Plus, if you can book the champ, you book the champ. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's the case right there. Yeah, they kind of show him fighting Sabu. Uh, from oh, ECW, yeah. so right. they had ECW and WWF. But the 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 scene stealer is the fucking sad boy. 
I have him right down. Dennis. Yeah. Is Dennis the secret best part of the documentary? He is the saddest thing I've seen. He is sadder than Jake Dismick. He's like saddest. he is he is he's a Napoleon Dynamite character. Like it's yeah, so yeah. fucking sad to when they I mean literally like when they show him jumping on the trampoline with his weights and his wrestling tights, like you can't script that. You could not have written that. It had to no. be it just had to be seen. <laughs> And Terry's like Terry. No, the the others. The other line that is fucking Monty Python levels of writing is like, "Well, do you wanna do you wanna be a referee for me and me and Brett? Like, I'll, I'll give you the main match so you can be with us." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I've already made other plans." It's like, why are you bitching then? Yeah. Like, why are you bitching that you're not in the fucking thing if you're well, he's made the plans? Thing is he's, he's there. He's lurking around, knowing that there's a show. Waiting for somebody to ask him if he's coming so he can say he's not coming. Yes. <laughs> I said no. Actually. And he says he doesn't want to be one of those sad old guys. He's not booked on the show. And he doesn't want to be one of those sad old guys who hangs around the locker room. But which, hey, dude, guess what? You're already a sad old guy. <laughs> you're even sadder because you're hanging out in the parking lot. You're right? not, you're even, not even, even in the locker room. At least the locker room, the people in the parking lot can't point and laugh <laughs> at you from the only room in the locker room. <laughs> It's, I, I don't think anybody would point and laugh because nobody knows who the fuck he is. Right. He, I love that he's talking about how he would have a better match with Dory Funk. That I can't even remember who they have Dory booked to fight, but he's like, whoever it is, it's better than you, my man. <laughs> that is so. And I, I knew that I've seen this documentary multiple times, but I've never seen it as an adult. Like the the two times that I saw it. Once was in uh, where I where we used to watch all the pay per views, which was my my best friend's house because his big brother was like my big brother and him were best friends, and then by proxy we became friends. Sure. And they were huge wrestling fans, so then I became a wrestling fan. And I remember going to his house because they had bought that DVD, and everybody was going to watch that documentary. And I remember vividly, like watching it as a kid and going like. Why do I care about this guy? Like, why are we, why are they showing this fucking guy? And and now as an adult, it's like give me more of him. That's I want a because, whole doc. Like, yes, if this I want was a everything. Netflix doc, you could give me a whole episode about him. Yeah. So fucking so sad. He's like so I hope he found happiness. I, I hope he's fulfilled in some way. Honestly, I think he found happiness when he got to ref the match. He was so <laughs> excited. Oh, him putting on the sh- the tight shirt, and, and he's like, he's so proud of himself. It's like, bitch, you were complaining that you didn't even want to do this. Basically, you basically went and cried to the teacher that <laughs> you didn't get an, a spot. And good on Terry, man. Terry was like, I'll Terry's such man. a good fucking dude, isn't yeah. he? What yeah, a king! Come on. Come on, who cares? And 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 imagine if he's a king, he's like, no, no, nobody's gonna believe an old man would have beaten Bret Hart. So like, he graciously loses his last match, his retirement um, match. He takes it, goes out on his back, just like a just like a real wrestler should. Yeah, yeah. They don't they don't make him like Terry anymore. No, true. Sure. And that's like kind of like the sad reality of like this business, like. Like the the Hulk Hogan's, the Brock Lesnar's are the ones that are like, in in the in the biggest stages and the biggest lights, and rarely like the Daniel Bryansons or the Terry Funks of the world get to shine this way. Um, 
but you know the the real wrestler the real wrestling fans know right <clears throat> there's a different it's that thing of like it's like you you got your your movie fans who love blockbusters, but then you got your movie fans yeah. who love their indies and their little yeah. niche and their character actors. And it's the same vibe. It's like there's people who love the who are always just gonna like be drawn to the big whatever the biggest name or the biggest spectacle. But then there's gonna be people who body. are like looking for the the most technical, the tightest rest, you know, the tightest wrestling technique, you know. Yeah. And, and I do actor. like that at least now we're in an era where. I'll, it all gets, I wouldn't say it gets equal attention, but it gets more, like, you, it's a, at least all available. You know, we're not in the era anymore where it's all shoved on the first hour of Nitro and nobody gets to see the high flyers and nobody gets to see the the lighter guys, you know. It's, no, it's, I would say bal- like, it's a little more balanced now. It's all balanced because, you know, for every Roman Reigns, with, you know, respect to Roman Reigns, I don't have nothing against him. I don't... I can personally as a wrestler, but we have the Seth. I'm a Cody Rhodes guy. Yeah, we have the Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes, which, you know, CM Punk, I guess. I'm not that big of a CM Punk guy, but he's back again. But he's a guy, you know, uh, never a big fan of CM Punk, but always a guy I respect as far as somebody who has a mind for the business. You know what I mean? There's those guys who you can tell just know the game better than some, you know, and I think he's one of those. No, yeah. I used to listen to the when I haven't listened to it in a while, actually. But when a, uh, AEW started uh, and they got CM Punk, I used to listen to Jim Cornette's podcast of him recapping the shows. I didn't watch the shows, but I watched like clips of him just yeah. talking shit on on the fucking shows and him like bracing Punk and. Oh, at the same time, like, this is going to fucking get, like, this is not going to last. Like, he is going to get tired of this fucking bullshit. And eventually he got tired of the fucking bullshit. But it's so funny that, you know, you can tell that what you said, like, he has such a mind for the for the game, for the for the for the storylines, for the momentum you can build. And then what happened in AEW, you clearly can tell that they didn't know what to do with him. Yeah, it's like we talked about last well, last time when Brett went to WCW. They got yes. they wanted something so bad, but then when they got it, they had no idea. They didn't know so what like, to do yeah, with it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So after Terry's retirement match, we go back. We visit. We we meet back up with Jake, and Jake is gonna go uh, visit his daughter. He's estranged from his daughter. Big surprise. Jake's estranged from everybody in his life. Um. Man, I, I had a hard time not making fun of his daughter's emo notebook. Um, (laughs) I'm sitting there and I'm trying to take her. I know her feelings are valid, but like, she's just the most kind of like cliche psych student, late nineties, gen X kind of goth. I don't give a fuck about anything. And I'm, I'm you know, like I made a collage. She was was very much of her time, you know? (laughs) Yeah, her little notebook collage of how much she hates her dad is. Like, I, I think I bet it was like a. a I it, think it was. I bet she went to a therapist and. Yeah, she I was hope like, so. She was supposed to be a psychology major, right? That was her whole thing. I don't know. Uh, the best, the way, the epitome of it for me of that kind of like pseudo intellectual edge lord kind of Gen X vibe she was cultivating was the very end where she's like, I, I this quote by a, a wonderful, uh, a wonderful poet Sylvia Plath, and I thought she was gonna like 
hit us with like something insightful. I don't know a lot about Celia Plath's, uh, you know, poetry. Because, I'm not because you're like, not a English major, right? But I did think that she was going to have a quote that was like insightful, and then it was just like "fuck you, daddy." <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sure she did write that. You know what I mean? But I'm sure she also probably wrote some things that were better. Yeah. <laughs> But that was like that, like so well summed up. Like I, I felt for her because I'm a guy who can definitely relate to uh, a strange stuff with your dad and struggling with that. So like I was, I was very empathetic towards her. But at the same time, I could not help myself from like recognizing those kind of cliches. Yeah, rebel, rebel without a cause. Um. I also like, she says a thing like, uh, when she's talking about Jake and she's like, he needs to get away from the glitz and glamour. I mean, his whole life's been in front of the camera. I was like, he has a documentary crew falling around because he's a fucking crackhead right now. Is yeah. that, this is not like, this is not the same he's as when he's on WrestleMania. Right this is not like, he hasn't just continued his trajectory. No, I think he's no. a little mixed up. Just because he has a camera crew with him again and you've seen him again does not There's mean no he's at the same place. I don't think you have a grasp on what's really happening. No, <laughs> no, no, at all. Um, and then, the you know, what, what we alluded to in the beginning when we started talking about Jake, then he just like, finally gets to be with her gets to talk to her and, and instead of just you know talking to her he's just trauma dumping on like well you know Vince Vince forced me to do this and well and, and you know, I, think, I had a rough again, we talked a little we talked a little bit about it I think immediately when I was being annoyed by her it was immediately counterbalanced by me getting pissed off at Jake's manipulative self-pity therapy speak kind of bullshit. And then it's like, he sees her and he's like five minutes. He, he spends about five minutes and he gets him and leaves. Like, remember they, they come and meet him and she pisses him off because she wants to bring a friend along and he gets like weird. He doesn't get weird about, it. he doesn't clock it as strange. She overcompensates and kind of, tunes into the fact that she's doing it because she's weirded out about being alone with him or whatever and then that pisses him off and then like yeah and then he's real childish and like you know when they show up then it's like they drove out to see him at the hotel and they spend about five minutes and he just gets up and he has to go oh i gotta get to bed you know i gotta show in the morning or whatever yeah. you know and it's just like like i said like you like, want I, at the I, same I, time and that's what the reality of the situation you want to feel bad for them but they also are flawed people yeah. you know it's it's there's two things there's more more than one thing can be true uh, I don't know how justified you are in acting hurt by her trying to bring somebody when, like, you have 20 people, two, three or four people behind you. Yeah. Like, with You're cameras around her. Yeah, exactly. You probably had her, she probably had to sign a waiver to put, fucking put this conversation on film. Yeah. And now, and, and probably half the reason you're doing it is because for the doc, you know, it's like, and now you're going to get salty about her wanting to bring a friend along and, like, yes. I don't know. Uh, some support support system but we get our extended that's when we get our extended crack scene after that and like i said we talked a little about definitely feels that specifically feels a little exploitative um it's such see. a shocking line right and then we found terry doing crack <laughs> it's like what how did you just say that like normal yeah. Like, oh, he was playing putt-putt on the backyard. No, like, he's doing crack, dude. Why are you just skimming over that? That's nothing. Yeah. I love the kid. The people were like, Jake told us that he would not do the show unless we got him some crack. <laughs> so good. Um, 
rough. So uh, no, wait, kinda, oh, uh, but, before we move away from his uh, from Jake and finish out with mankind, his description of his sex life is so fucking wild and mirrors what we know about Vince now and like ev- he gets like progressively perverted because you're not able to get a boner now with just two girls. You gotta. You gotta the get a border stuff yeah. you get into, and then like he and then he talks about he's like, and then that ruins your love life with your wife because you can't come home and like be a normal person and make normal love to your wife because you're a fucking Life. sick monster now. And it's and 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 you think about it like that's what a lot of people say porn is doing to people. Yeah, that's why too I've much, never, too much porn. That's why I've never watched porn. Yeah, um, I stay away I only, too. I only watch uh, wrestling documentaries on porn sites. Um, I go to porn sites, but only because it's one of the last places you can still pirate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's one of the few places that I can see documentaries. Um, but but that's that's essentially like the rock stars and movie stars, and that's how you end up with the Epstein Island and, and stuff like that. Because like this type of fame and this type of like lifestyle just perverts you to a point that you cannot be a fucking normal human being. Just masturbate to an image of tits and a and a printed page, you know. Yeah, it's, it has to be weirder and weirder and weirder, and then you end up with a lawsuit where Vince McMahon is forcing women to have sex with wrestlers. Yeah, he's se- basically sex trafficking women and like sh- locking them into a. And again, that's like we talked about last time how part of what may has made the wrestling industry so interesting and has given it such a legacy of like these great stories like Dark Side of the Ring gets into is because of the secrecy of it and the kind of like every this kind of code of you know silence but that has also led to i mean powerful men abuse their power out in the open imagine if also your whole culture is built around keeping everything a big fucking secret all the time you know what i mean imagine that extra layer of of difficulty that adds to try to get to go public or to try to get attention to something you know uh, it sounds like i said i I was, uh, thankfully, the Vince McMahon thing is, like, mainstream news. I hope, yeah. like, there's so many, God, how many, like, this guy's, I, I said the same thing. My mom's like, oh, I heard Vince McMahon's in the news. And I was like, yeah, he's just a, been a huge piece of shit forever and ever. And it's like the Donald Trump thing. It's like, when you spend your whole life, when you've been sued, like, a billion times, you know what I mean? There's got to be, and there's only one common factor, and it's always you. You're probably the big piece of shit, you know? Yeah. And it's just one of those where it's, like, a long time coming. He's been well-known. It's all these open secret about how awful he is. And, like, he keeps slipping the noose on stuff, like, left and right. It's like every time you think there's something going to happen, it doesn't, you know? And it would be nice to see some comeuppance, you know? Sure. Uh, you know, it doesn't I mean, matter you know, what you did to change the, the business. It, it doesn't, you don't get a pass, you know? <laughs> I mean, at least, at least the, he lost the the position because he, he stepped away and then Triple H built the, Triple H and the people behind him uh, built the, the, the company back up. Yeah. And then as soon as they merged with uh, w, the UFC, he's like, well, I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> Me and my weird mustache are here. And then... Then My weird dyed sued. black hair and creep mustache. <laughs> yeah. Like, then he gets sued and he's like, well, I'm gone. See, you. have fun, guys. So at least that was partly consequences, but he's still fucking cashing checks and getting money. So oh, hell yeah. He's going to die rich and comfortable and yeah. probably with very little consequences, unfortunately. But we can always dream. 
uh, that that bad people get their comeuppance and we can pretend that this is wrestling There's, and the guys yeah. triumph and you know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we wrap up with kind of what we already talked about a little bit. Last thing is basically uh, Mankind doing the Royal Rumble and then kind of reckoning after that with the impact on his kids a little bit. And yeah. honestly, it wasn't too long after this where he did step back a little bit and started becoming – he was like the general manager of Raw. And he would still wrestle like a couple times a year here Yeah, and he there became more of a comedic it. performer. Right. Right, but he did. He did eventually take a step back. So maybe this really did have an impact on him. But, um, you know, I do like him. that he um, obviously now hindsight being twenty twenty, or not hindsight being twenty twenty. That's dumb. But like you know, having the foresight of future, I do like that his career mirrored a lot of Terry Funk, especially towards the end when he like lost like 60 pounds and came back for that one big match with uh, Randy Orton, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Um, just to put over Randy Orton. like The Terry legend Funk killer did. gimmick was, big, yeah. was going big then. And yeah. Just like Terry Funk did to put over the ECW um, when he was in his 50s. Mankind probably was in his late 40s back then. Or, or early but his 50s. body was in its 70s. No, so. Yeah, his body was 100. And he was so overweight compared to what he's now in this in this documentary and then yeah. the amount of weight he, he lost for that one match to get just fucked up like yeah. he 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 became healthy and he put his body back in order just to fuck it up again, totally fuck it up again. <laughs> in a 40 45 minute match what an like icon that. what an icon yeah no he's the best um, yeah, so that's, that's, I think that's pretty, pretty much, much beyond the mat. I don't, is there anything, I mean, we have a couple little epilogues at the end, but nothing really spectacular that they, and stuff in any, in any way, mostly it's all out of date anyway, you know? Yeah. They do mention Draws' accident, unfortunately, accident. you know, that was just a, a, a sad state for him, but, um. Oh my God, he's gonna puke. He's gonna puke. He's gonna puke. Fucking loser. Uh, so. You know, Yusuf, thank you for joining me on this journey. Um, did we promo what we're going to do next time, or we leave that mystery? Do you remember? What did we do last time? Did we tell the people? Next yeah. time, we're going to do the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. Mm. Available on noodlemagazine.com. <laughs> hey, that's a good site. I like that site. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, what? That's where I buy my noodles. What? Are we talking about the same thing? I don't know. <laughs> That's where I get all my noodle information. Noodle magazine. Yeah. That's the same. Yeah. <laughs> Rate, review you can noodles. Your noodle according to the ads. <laughs> yeah, it's a great place if you want to lengthen your noodle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God damn it! Thank you, Yusuf, for being here. Everybody, find us on the Twitters. I'm sure Yusuf's going to put in the little things here. Um, and uh, check me out on Flyover State of Fear with Joe talking about horror movies. Also. All right. Yeah. <laughs>